Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. And after a 4-0 thumping of Lask on Thursday evening saw the Reds guarantee top spot of their Europa League group and a place in the last 16 of the competition, Klopside turned their attention back to the Premier League this weekend as Fulham arrive at Anfield on Sunday. Following the positive result away to City last week, Liverpool will be keen to climb back to the top of the table and remind those sides around them that the title credentials they have are real this season. On the pod this week, I'm delighted to welcome on Sarah Keeg from Fulham Lilies, a group for female Fulham fans and allies doing great work around the club to make the game more inclusive for all. Welcome on, Sarah. Good to, good to speak with you. Thanks, Harry. Great to be here. Uh, Fulham, I mean, I, I, I was talking just before we started recording, actually, there's sort of, it's always been a, quite an interesting discussion over the past few seasons uh, with, you know, obviously, I think the club's uh, previous promotions to the Premier League and some of the criticism around the approaches they took on those different times. And then this latest promotion to the Premier League seeming more sustainable uh, or done in a more sustainable way. Um, and before we get into this season, really, I wanted to just ask you to cast your mind back to the end of last season, finishing 10th in the Premier League. I think, you know, quarter, quarterfinals of the FA Cup, probably a highlight as well. Mitrovic, um, you know, naturally starring, as the as the top goal scorer with about I think fifteen in all comps last season, I just want to, to get your opinion. What was your your view come the end of the season on how the club was progressing? And I suppose we can also sort of like move in from after that onto what were the areas where you thought the club needed to to focus on to to kick on. I think you know any Fulham support that you speak to would have been very surprised pleasantly surprised with what we achieved last mm. season um the the previous two campaigns where we'd come up and we'd gone down yeah. we'd come up through the playoffs 
we as Fulham supporters sort of knew we really didn't have a Premier League team. So it, it wasn't, you know, as much as you want to go up and stay up and be in the Premier League, it wasn't a great surprise when we came back down. But last season was different. We, you know, absolutely tore through the championship. We, you know, I can't, I think it was three games we won 7-0. There were two games back-to-back where we won 6-2. It was a very different team and we went up as champions and I think we all knew, yeah, this time we've got a team here who can stay up. But knowing the Premier League and, and knowing the other teams that you're up against, I do think that most supporters thought we'd still not necessarily be in a relegation battle but you know if we finished fourth or fifth from bottom we'd be happy with that you know we we stayed in the Premier League but that was it so none of us could see um, the fantastic season that that we had you mentioned that you know we finished 10th Um, we nearly broke our Premier League points record we finished on 52 the record's 53 we won 15 games which is a record um, for Fulham Mm -hmm. We were 20 minutes away from a semi-final at Wembley, yeah. the FA Cup. <laughs> you know, it, it just exceeded all expectations for, for Fulham fans. And I think it, it was, like you say, we you know, we had Mitro, but we also, we didn't change too much. The, the main spine of the team um, remained the same, but they bought well. And um, we brought in Willian. We brought in Andreas Pereira and we brought in Jao Polinia. So, you know, those three players really added something, especially uh, Jao Polinia. No, of course. Yeah, I think we'll come on to to talk about him a little bit more. I think it's uh, it's only fair. And yeah, I, I actually was casting my, my mind back to, to last season and it wasn't, uh, wasn't it like a... Well, a great one for Liverpool in terms of sort of the in contrast with their previous seasons. Obviously, I think there was uh, probably an acceptance a little bit into the season that actually maybe some of those midfielders had um, yeah, gone a little bit older, a little bit quicker than perhaps management had expected. And that Fulham game, the opening game of the season actually for Liverpool, I remember um, that really illustrated that, I thought, in, in terms of the way in which Fulham had a really aggressive approach to that game, really physical, uh, like I think outrun outran Liverpool, which at that stage was sort of like a, um, a real a real shock to a lot of Liverpool fans. But then I think actually throughout the as the season unfolded, it became less of a less of a shock. But I think that was the the approach that we saw from Fulham throughout the entire season, even sort of making the most of those first few games back after the break for the for the World Cup as well, putting getting some valuable points there. But I remember we're speaking with um, some of the guys from Fulhamish in previous pods, for example, I talked about, you know, Scott Parker, previous managers talking about the need to bolster the squad. Uh, maybe managers having a little bit of um, like unhappiness with the lack of investment that had gone. And you mentioned some of those players who came in uh, into the, you know, obviously William Yarpolina being some of the standouts as well. I w- want to ask, I mean, like last season, you, you mentioned lots of high points, were there particular results for you that stick in your mind in terms of uh, results that illustrated just how Fulham were playing last season? I think um, the Chelsea games right. are definite highlights. You know, they're, they're local rivals and we're always keen to beat them. So to beat them 
um, at the cottage, which we did, and then to go to Stamford Bridge and and draw there. Um, there are there are some draws which, when you leave, you feel like you've won a game. There are some draws that you know when you leave a game, you feel like you've lost. And that was definitely one of those where it felt like a win to us. Um, you know, it's shown how far we'd come. We very rarely beat Chelsea. I think. Well, I know Lewis Boamorte, who's now the assistant manager, scored the winning goal the last time we beat them about right. 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, they, they come around very, very few and far between, but they're great moments when, when they do. They really are. And obviously our other local rivals are Brentford and beating Brentford um, 3-2 at the cottage. Mitrovic, 90th minute winner. It's the Roy of the Rovers stuff in a local derby, really, isn't it? You know, your, your number nine heads the winner in right at the death. So they were they were the games, really, that, and I think more so the Chelsea games where we thought, yeah, this is different. You know, this is a different team, um, a different mentality, and we're, we're really here to stay this season. And in terms of, uh, I mean, players who players who were key to to that success last season. I mean, we'll probably come on to talk about sort of the Mitrovic shaped hole um, in Fulham when we talk about this season. So maybe let's leave him out for a little bit hard to leave out the top goal scorer. But who were the other players for you who you felt really like had, gave a, a big impression of themselves last season and helped Fulham uh, ultimately achieve that tenth place uh, finish? I mean, I think Jao Polinia mentioned him. Sure. He, he literally, you know, after two games, it just felt like he had been in that team forever. Um, he didn't miss a beat. You do find with a lot of European players um, or overseas players, when they come to the Premier League, it is a lot faster. It is a lot tougher. It's a lot more physical. And you do feel that some of them, you know, we, we've seen it, they, they sort of maybe struggle for the first season or they're trying to find their feet. He didn't miss a beat at all. He was straight into that squad and it, it just it made such a difference. And I think because of that, it brought the best out in other players around him. Harrison Reed last season, he's always been a good player for Fulham. He was really great last season for us. And Tim Reed. Um, was another guy who, you know, he's sort of, I think he's 36 now. So he was 34, 35. And whilst he's always been great for Fulham, um, very loyal player and always done well, he last season was exceptional. He was playing some of his best football and he got recalled to the um, US uh, men's national team on the back of it. And, and, you know, I think he was the most surprised when he got a call to go to the World Cup. So for for me, they you know they were the sort of some of the standouts, but everybody really upped their game, and I think most of the credit has to go to Marco Silva for the work that he's sure. done at Fulham. It really does. I, I was going to ask actually, like, I think Marco Silva is sort of interesting how he's developed as a manager, um, and sort of how his how his approach and how he's getting his teams to play has probably evolved over the years as well. I mean. Like, 
based upon what you were used to seeing from Fulham prior to the promotion and then what you saw last season, I mean, like how did, uh, how do you think Marco Silva actually managed to get um, so much out of the team? Was there sort of a change in approach trying to be uh, like a bit more of a counter-attacking side last season or, or was there anything else that you noticed that, that you think was sort of the, the, the key change that Silva made? I think one of the key changes was the fact that we won the championship but then, and, and we won it in, in a fantastic, like you say, you know, very counter-attacking style. Hmm. Um, and, but, you know, we, we were relying a lot more on the forwards, counter-attacking, getting the, getting the goals. Last season, he completely changed the tactics. So even though we had the same players near enough, the tactics were completely different. And, you know, there was a, a, a lot of, it was very much building up from the back. You know, so making sure every part of the spine worked from the back through the midfield. The midfield was vital for us last season. And then obviously into Mitrovic and, and with Mitrovic, we had a, a great goal scorer who, I mean, he got a lot, a, a lot of people sort of forget about the assists that he got last season as well. He improved his all-over game as well. He changed as well. So he wasn't just the front man, but, you know, his hold-up play, bringing other players in yeah. was key as well to, to how we played. And I was going to say, I, I remember certainly in the games against Liverpool as well, I remember, I remember just his ability to, uh, even, yeah, even if it wasn't creating a chance for himself, yeah, just like the, be a physical presence, like cause a nuisance, hold the ball up, wait for others to join him. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely an aspect of his game that he, he really, really improved on. So no, I think I, I think it's really impressive to, sort of, to obviously see the progress that Marco Silva had made last season. And then I guess at the end of the season, uh, where were the areas where you thought that the side needed to strengthen if they were going to be able to kick on in terms of, and this is, I'm guessing this is obviously prior to uh, the the emergence of the Saudi Pro League and the fact that obviously Mitrovic ends up leaving the club that we can definitely talk about when we talk about this season and maybe some of the um, the, the struggles to adapt without him. But um, there's a Mitrovic obviously and then Yalpolinia who, who, who nearly departed as well, as we all saw uh, from some of the airport footage. Um, aside from those two uh, for the minute, where were the areas where you thought, okay, if if we're going to kick on from here again, it's probably going to have to be these areas where we just reinforce a little bit. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I think for us, defence um, yeah. was an area that we, we really needed to, to sort of look at. Um, whilst we've got, you know, great defenders there at the moment, if you sort of look at the age of, of Tim Ream, you know, he's, yeah. I hope, you know, it, mm. it's his last season. 
but it probably will be his last maybe full season and then maybe next season just be used back up to whoever um midfield even though you know we sort of had um Jow and i mean somebody that is a very underrated player is bobby decordova reed i mean bobby has played in nearly every position except for goalkeeper for us at some point he's a very underrated player and he's he's a great player um but you know we we just i still feel that we needed to to strengthen in midfield at that time, as, as you said, you know, with regards to players up front, we had Mitro. We've also got Carlos Vinicius um, and Rodrigo Munez, both young Brazilians. And we felt that, you know, working alongside somebody maybe like Mitro, actually they could develop. You could see the potential there, but it was just, you know, developing them and bringing them on. And I think, so that's why I wasn't too concerned about, you know, getting somebody up front because I felt that we had a player in Mitro who was still, you know, he's 28, 29, still had a few years left on his contract with us. He could use his expertise and knowledge to bring others on that we already have in the squad. Obviously that that all changed in, in the summer and I've never ever in all the years of supported Fulham, I've never ever known such a disruptive preseason mm. as the one that, that we had uh, last season. And I was gonna say, yeah, in terms of sort of the disruptions to preseason, obviously the want away, I think Mitrovic made it pretty plain that he yeah. wanted to leave uh, quite early. Um I'd say, I mean, well, I'd get your opinion on it, but it didn't seem like it was the most most respectful way to do things. But I think he was just you know, very keen to go over there and get the payback, I imagine. But um, I mean, what? How, how do you think fans felt about that departure in particular? You know, given you know, all that he's done for the club, but um, as you say, you were hopeful that he would stay there and help bring others on. Um, talk a bit about that disruption to to preseason, given the emergence of the Saudi Pro League and the late move from from Bayern, I suppose, for. Uh, for another key player in Yapolina. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you can't begrudge somebody going and supporting their family and with with Jao, you know, going to a club where he could probably, you know, win Bundesliga, win champion or be in the mix for winning the Champions League, that sort of thing. So you mm. can't begrudge players. It's the same, you know, if, if we were offered huge amounts of money in our own jobs to go and move. But I just feel that with Mitrovic, it was the manner in which he did yeah. it. You know, he said that he wasn't going to play um, for Fulham ever again. He, you know, he would never play for them. Um, it was like a petulant, petulant child sulking. And from Fulham's point of view, I'm, you know, I was really impressed with the way that they said, okay, you can go, but, you know, you've literally just signed a new contract with us. So we're going to make sure if you go, we're getting money for you. And, you know, I, I completely agreed with that, that, yeah. You know, he had an obligation to Fulham. He'd only that season signed a, a new deal with us. Um, so, you know, and knowing the money that was being thrown around by the Saudi Pro League, 25 million was a bargain for him. So, you know, I think we got about 50 million in the end, which from a business point of view, if you look at it from that point of view, it was excellent business. We bought him for 27 million. We'd had him for four or five seasons. He definitely 
you know, got us out of the championship and helped us to stay in the Premier League last year. So from a business point of view, I think it was good business. But obviously, as fans, we don't think with our head. (laughs) We very much think with our hearts. And I feel that the... He the sending off at Manchester United, the fans backed him, the fans supported him through that, and it was just a bit of a kick in the teeth when mere weeks later he, you know, really turned his back on us and you know just acted the way that he did. Yeah, and I think it's always, I mean, it's always, I think, in the manner of the departures. I think to your point, I mean, certainly with Yarpolina. Uh, uh, yeah, I moved to a club like Bayern Munich. You don't, you don't understand the attraction for for the player. I think it's the, the timing is 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 always I, I think quite insulting when bigger clubs come in quite late in the window, usually due, due to a lack of good preparation on their side, right? And then they they just try and pluck uh, you know, pivotal players from from teams where they think it's possible to get them. I always always, always think that's a bit you know. Um, Unpleasant, not necessarily Palina's fault, but it's you know it's it's unpleasant. And then Mitrovic, I think you're right. With you, you would have hoped that you know, given the attachment to the club, the relationship there, the backing, as you mentioned from the fans, um, that it would have been handled a bit better. But I say I'm not not altogether surprised at the way in which that went. And I think obviously Liverpool had um, a number of players who departed for the Saudi yeah. Pro League in the in the summer as well. And I think. Um, like, like some, I think some more disappointing than others. I think particularly the captain's departure, uh, I think was was quite disappointing in terms of sort of the person he put, uh, projected himself to be. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, yeah it's unpleasant. Um, but again, I think it's not just football. You're, you're seeing the money being thrown around uh, for some, some soft power from that league um, uh, across m- m- multiple sports at the moment, right? So it's clearly going to be a disruptive factor in, in future windows as well. And if we look to the other side then, I mean, the, the knowledge that these players are moving on, you mentioned obviously the need to strengthen the defence, but suddenly there, there comes a need to, uh, well, first of all, hope Polina can sort of you know, write himself into the sort of just me- mentally get back in the position to contribute uh, properly for the team, and then also, I-, I suppose, looking to address the uh, the attacking void right that, that's left by Mitrovic. No easy task. In terms of the players that have come in or, or came in the last windows, Alex Awobi from Everton for about twenty five uh, million euros. It looks like Calvin Bassi, centre back from Ajax, young centre back. Um, Timothy Castagna from Leicester as a right-back option. And Raul Jimenez from Wolves, um, again, t- towards the end of his career, 32 years old, 6.4 million euros. Uh, and um, Adama Traore as well on a free transfer, I believe it was, from from Wolves. I mean, like, in terms of those, those, those transfers, what did you make of those in terms of addressing the needs that Fulham had and like, do you think there's still a need to to go out in the January window and and pursue pursue more, given just some sort of the the late departures of oh the late departure of the likes of Mitrovic? Yeah, I, I definitely think and I'm hopeful that um, we will be going out in January and spending some of the money that we got from Mitrovic on um, an attacking player. Mm. Um, Jimenez, um, you know, five million pounds based on the player that he was, you know, obviously that looks a bit of a bargain, but sadly I think his recovery from his head injury, um, you know, he isn't the player that he was. 
uh, I actually haven't been too disappointed with him um, because whilst he has only scored the one goal for us, he scored, I think when he's been away with Mexico in the three or four games he's played, he's, he's scored three or four goals. So, you know, he's, he's still got it there. It's still in him. He just hasn't managed to sort of get it in the Premier League, but he does offer something um, that other players that we've got, I mentioned Vinicius earlier, necessarily doesn't. So whilst, yeah, he might not be scoring goals, you know, his assists and his um, holding up the game and his distribution, I, I think he does bring something, but he's, you know, he's no Mitro replacement, which I think a lot of people thought he might be, which is unfair on him, I I think. But based on the fact that, you know, as you just said, towards his end of his career, paid five million. I yeah, I think he's he's been a great addition. I just really hope he gets some more goals. <laughs> I think we're all sort of willing it. And when I think we cheered so much at Aston Villa, not just because it was a goal, but he got the goal. Um, you know, it was really pleasing for us. Um, Iwobi um, has been great. He's been really, mm. really good. I've been very impressed with him. I think a lot of people were a bit. Mm, really, you know, yeah. and he's won the divide, isn't he? I think he seems to divide yeah. opinion. Yeah, and especially you know we paid, um, I think what you said, twenty five million euro, approximately twenty two million pounds for him, and people were like, really, is he worth that much? But yeah, from from what I've seen, yeah, he he is he's a great player, and uh, you know he got a goal um, against Wolves uh, on Monday night. So, and I think we'll see more to come from him. He's, he's been playing really, really good. Um, the, the thing with, um, Calvin Bassey is we, we've had quite a bit of injury. Um, so he's been playing out of position really for him. Um, you know, he's more, he's been playing more on the right, um, where I think he's more suited to playing on the, on the left. Um, so the first couple of games that he was playing for us, he didn't play that great. He he came in for Diop, who's who's been injured, and he didn't play that great. But he's really got into it, and he's been playing quite well. So I do think that once Diop's back, and we possibly move him to his for, more favoured left side, I think we'll you know he'll be really really great player for us. Yeah, I think he's always one that um, well looked promising from sort of the, the glimpses I saw of him at Ajax and definitely sort of the, the physical sort of talent is there as well yeah. in terms of sort of his ability and similar with Iwobi I think, I think there was always a perception I think of Iwobi as a real solid customer in terms of the amount of work that he would put in sort of just how hard he would apply himself for for the team and Willian's another one who surprised me as well actually the way in which uh, he's come back to having more of an influence than I thought he would at this stage in his career um, on occasion. So we'll, we'll come on to talk about him as well. But moving into this season then, and once you get through that disrupted preseason, like you, like you mentioned, um, the all focus is obviously on results. What have you made of the the start of the season? I didn't say start. We were already a decent chunk of the way in, obviously. Um, currently, I think it's what fourteenth in the in the league at the moment. So maybe if I'm, oh, actually no, that's, that's uh, am I right? Yes, fourteenth in the yeah. league. But it's all it's all really tight there. So I think that yeah. uh, a win for sides and around that position in the table right now really does move you quite a way up the table to be honest so uh, yeah just, just wanted your opinion on, on how the season started 
any things that you notice in terms of sort of like tweaks that Marco Silva may have made given the change in personnel, things like that? I think at the end of last season, we were hopeful that because obviously we, we didn't see the, the Mitro Polinia thing happening. So I think we're all hopeful that by well in the summer and we could sort of look at to do what maybe Villa, Brighton uh, and Brentford have done. You know, we could look to push on and hopefully start looking maybe at, at some sort of European football. Obviously, Mitro was a huge loss. Um, I think we're all resigned to the fact that that Jao will leave, whether that happens in January, whether that happens in the summer. But, you know, we, we know that he he's going to go on to bigger and better things and he deserves it. So... I think once that that happened and we lost Mitro, we we reassessed really, and I think it was just if we get tenth again, I think we'd be happy with that. Um, recent form has shown that you know if we hadn't beaten Wolves on Monday night, we'd have been right down in it with the the sort of the few teams that are down there, and and I think we'd have found ourselves in a relegation battle. As you mentioned, it is still tight. And, you know, a, a, a win on Sunday, <laughs> she says, um, you know, could see us go a point off 10th place. So mm. even though we're not far off halfway through the season, it is still very, very tight round there. Um, and I think based on on what's happened, the injuries that we've had, the lack of a, a, a striker, um yeah, it, it, mid-table, um, you know, sort of 13th, 12th, uh, 13th, uh, that's sort of where I think we're looking to, to be at the moment. And I think most people would take that at, at this point in time. Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear. So obviously how expectations had to be reassessed given the disruption, you know, like just in pre-season, you, you say you weren't expecting... Mitra to leave and, and also Yapolina, as you say, that's sort of the suggestion being that he 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 will soon leave. I have to say, actually, I think when it comes to scouting for that position, Fulham have done pretty well over the recent years. I think Yapolina is obviously an excellent player. Uh, I also remember in the past, actually, um, Angisa being a player who really sort of impressed yeah. me um, for, for Fulham and wasn't really surprised to see him obviously end up at at Napoli and and become such a integral player for for them as well. So uh, here's hoping, obviously, that the scouting team have already got a list of of potential alternatives because um, they they have managed to sort of do pretty well when it comes to sort of like filling that position. In my uh, in my opinion, um, and has there been a game you think this season that really symbolizes sort of the the challenges Fulham have faced given the disruption to the team? Um, uh, and also the positive side of things as well. So, is is there a game where you look at the season and go, okay, well, that's what we look like this season when everything clicks, as Silva's trying to sort of make it work given the some of the changes that he's had to deal with. And is there a game that you look at and go, well, that 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 sort of symbolises the issues we've got this season? I think for for us, the in previous seasons when we've come up and gone straight down. We weren't beating the teams that we should beat. Right. You know, there are certain teams on paper that you think, yeah, these are the people that you need to beat in order to, to sort of stay clear of a relegation and, and to really, you know, move up. And this season and, and, and last season, we are beating those teams. So we, we beat Everton, Luton, mm. Sheffield United. So the teams that you're sort of almost expected to beat, 
we are beating. Whereas previously, we'd have maybe struggled against them. Hmm. Um, a draw and, away to Brighton, another yeah. good result you know, in the context of the you know the season as well. Yeah, and and beating Wolves, you mm. know, that's that's another team that you know you should have looked at, towards, and you think, yeah, the, these are the teams that we need to beat, or at least you know get a point from them in order to establish ourselves in the Premier League. We haven't done that previously, but this season we we are doing it. We're grinding those results out. Um, I think the one really that. And, and it's no surprise, really, because it's Man City, but going yeah. to the Etihad and losing 5-1, that that was a tough one because um, we played really well against Arsenal um, prior to that. Um, you know, there were there were other games that we'd had where we sort of thought, OK, we, 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 we haven't got Mitro, but we can do OK here. But then it was a very much back to reality um, at Man City. We went 1-0 down, we, we equalised... They got a, a second goal just before half time, which afterwards, you know, it was off, it was deemed that it had been offside. But we were only 2 1 down at half time. We were still in the game, we were still playing. Second half, you know, we came out and it, it, it just, we just lost it and it ended up being 5 1 defeat. So yeah. I think it's that really to me highlighted, yeah. There's still a long way to go. And I know it's Man City, but yeah, it, it, it that was the one for me. It is the highest bar, yeah, I think, in the Premier League to clear at the moment. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's actually, I think the Liverpool draw with City last weekend, I mean, I, I, you'd think I would keep keep an eye on what City are doing, but I, I didn't really realise that it that ended at 23 game, on like sort of win streak yeah. at home. They really have built a real fortress um uh, there in terms of the results, maybe if not the atmosphere, but um, yeah, I mean, Harland, uh, I think is a good example of someone who can take those kind of games away from you, right? Where you're thinking, okay, it's quite a tight game and a quick fire brace from him or a hat trick in the case of the game against Fulham. And it suddenly looks a lot worse. I do actually remember now that you mentioned it, that Ake offside being particularly egregious. Um, so yeah. yeah. And, and it was just before half time, which he says a really pivotal uh, time for the, to, to concede as well. So yeah, I wouldn't be, too disheartened by it, but I, I understand what you're saying in terms of the, the ability to to compete. I think it, it is positive, as you mentioned there, that, that picking up those wins against sides in and around you in the table that you you, know, you you need to get just to build that sort of foundation. I think that's a real positive sign um, so far. And I think to your point, I mean, getting that, those reinforcements in January uh, to a bit more firepower, maybe just to help. Uh, ensure those wins I think is going to be crucial it sounds like it uh, one thing I was reading recently was obviously about this yeah with Mitrovic leaving guess goals are you know the sort of the end result you're trying to re- re- replace but he's obviously the penalty taker as well for for, for Fulham um I wondered sort of how that uh, problem has been tackled since his departure who's who's ended up filling his boots in terms of becoming the uh uh, the guy on the spot was it William based upon what I saw seen against Wolves yeah well um, the, the game on Monday night that was the first time we'd actually had a penalty this season okay. Okay. so to get two in one game yeah. <laughs> and, and we were we were the same as you we were like well who's going to take it you know <laughs> um, we'd sort of gone Andreas Pereira because last season um, 
I think Mitro was, it was, oh, it was, yeah, it was during Mitro's eight game suspension. We got a penalty and Pereira um, stepped up and took it. So we were like, oh, okay. And then we were all quite surprised when Willian um, stepped up to take it. But what, what sort of surprised us, Mitro wasn't that great at penalties. Um, I think he, it was a, literally a 50 50 record with him. Um, so we've been screaming out for a penalty taker. And earlier in the season, we played Tottenham in the Carabao Cup and it went to penalties. And every single Fulham player scored the penalty. <laughs> and we were like, why Why was Mitro <laughs> taking all the penalties when quite clearly everyone else can take them? Uh, what what was Mitrovic's technique, Adam? Uh, in my head, I imagine it was just uh, hitting it as hard as he could uh, in into a particular corner. Or, or is that doing him a disservice? Was he no, a stutterer? No, it, it was. It was. It was low and into the bottom corners. Okay, it, you know he didn't stick to the same corner, but yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, hit it hard, low and into the bottom corners. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he did have some unfortunate ones. There was one where he went to take it. He slipped. And as he slipped, his foot double touched the ball. The ball uh, went in the back of the net, but because there was a double touch, it, it didn't count. So it, there was, there was a few times where he was, he was sort of a little bit unlucky, um, keeper save, but yeah, he, he wasn't that great at penalties. And, uh, I saw. A few weeks ago, actually, when he was playing in Saudi, he, he missed a penalty there. So uh, <laughs> it continues. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's always an interesting one. Strikers who don't quite fancy um, penalties. Uh, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think Salah for Liverpool means, well, not really a striker despite what what he's doing. Um, uh, and yeah, I think his record is probably really good, actually. I think there's probably more made of it than, than, than isn't. But he's, he's, he's missed some as well. And I think at times you do see it, you just go, well, I'd assume you can place this anywhere. What, what, why, yeah. are you just, why are you just running up and blamming it? I don't understand why, <laughs> why that's the... Although uh, um, on Monday night, Willian did that whole, you know, when stutter. they run up and they and they do the little tapping and then they stop and they, and I'm just like, will you uh, just hit it? <laughs> I, I God, yeah, I can't, I can't get, I can't get used to it. I, it's always just the dread of the, of the slow. I know, I know Pogba wasn't the first to do it, but yeah, that slow... Yeah. Slow run up. Um, I mean the the skip. I mean, obviously, we've seen the Jorginho skip technique as well. Yeah. And I know that there's something there's something to be admired about just running up and <laughs> yeah. leathering it. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. I, um, it, it, there was a for me years and years and years ago. There was a, a West Ham player called Julian Dix. Mm. And he was the best penalty taker I've ever seen because he literally, it was like a rocket. And even if it went near the keeper, the keeper ended up in the net with the ball. It was just hit with such precision. Yeah, no, I don't think back. I think I think um, even though Salah took the majority, I think the penalty that penalty that live in my mind to sort of the Klopp era Liverpool probably. Um, yeah, uh, the same shootout actually. I think it was against Chelsea in the in the Carabao Cup or something. I think it was Kepa came on for the for the pens and Van Dyke. Like Kepa sort of moves to one side of the net, uh, like to sort of go. I know you're going this side, and then Van Dyke did go that side, but just hit it top corner. Uh, and then I think there was a Fabinho Penenka. I'm always like the Penenka for those who actually are 
yeah. um, ballsy enough to do it. <laughs> it is, um, yeah, a very uh, you can you can look incredibly uh, embarrassed if it does go uh, it does go wrong. But again, I think yeah, as you said, I mean, the first penalties of the season came you know both together in the last game, so looks yeah. to have found a, a replacement there. Um, now looking at, towards the game itself, then I mean, um, away at Liverpool, this is always a difficult game anyway. I think, um, but in terms of how you expect uh, Marco Silva to approach it, based upon what you've seen of away games uh, against sides in the top six um, so far this season, how do you think he will approach it? And if you have any thoughts on on what you've seen of Liverpool this season, yeah, it'd be great to great to hear them. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I think it's going to be a tough game, you know, but there's there's no doubt about it as you said just the fact going to Anfield um uh, is always tough but i i think you know we we can still sort of take some hope from from going there we as you said the first game of the season last year we drew to all with liverpool when we played you at anfield it was only 1-0 and it was from obviously our point of view, you know, a very soft, dubious penalty um, that, that beat us. So I think we can we can definitely take hope um, that we can stay in the game. It will be interesting to see what Marco does. Um, Kenny Tete, who's been out for quite a while, he was on the bench on Monday, came on. So I think you know, there's a possibility that he might start, um, which is a shame because um, Timothy uh, Castagna has been playing well in that position. But, you know, I think Kenny just seems more experienced and some of the performances he put in last season against the, the you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, I just think he maybe deserves to, to come back. If Diop is is fit, which I think he, he might be, it would be good um, to see him back and maybe drop Tim Ream and move Calvin Bassey across to see what that partnership would be like. Um, Tim Ream, as much as we all love him, um, and he has been a great player for Fulham, he sort of gave the penalty away on Monday He's made a couple of mistakes and that's been the biggest frustration for Fulham, I think, this season, that a lot of the goals we've conceded have been through our errors. 
Um, so it's just, I just think getting a more solid base in, in defence. But do you do you risk that at Anfield, you know, or do you stick with what you've been going through um, for the last few weeks? That's that's difficult. Joe Polini will be back. He, he was off from suspension. Mm. Tom Kearney um, played his first 90 minutes um, on Monday and was our man of the match. He was exceptional. He was really great. So I'd like to see him maybe start. Apparently, he doesn't have the legs in him <laughs> right. to, to play 90 minutes. He did on Monday, um, but it could be he comes on and then, you know, maybe maybe there's a sub 60, 70 minutes. But I, yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity to make some changes and to really strengthen because people are returning from injury. Whether Marco will take that risk at Anfield, that, that's the thing. And we talked about, obviously, I think last season, Liverpool, um, I think, were much more susceptible to being sort of run over, to be honest, by teams. If, if, if you could outrun them, uh, then you could really get a, gri- a grip on the game um, in a way in which we hadn't yeah. seen a, a sort of previous Liverpool sides under Klopp, certainly. There's obviously been a re- uh, rebuild of Liverpool's midfield this season, um, uh, although still lacking that real defensive, um, sort of like top number six, I suppose, just to screen things. So sometimes... People do. People do still get the uh, the freedom to run through. I want to ask you, um, yeah, j- just if you've seen much of Liverpool this season, what you've made of them at all. If not, don't worry about it. Or we can move on. But you just wondered if what your perception was of where Liverpool are this season. They've definitely improved from from last season, as you say. That you know, there's been a rebuild, and there is always. Um, the thought when you do rebuild is, you know, the time it takes to gel and, and to, to come in. Um, but I think, you know, it, it, it seems to be that they they are not quite where they were maybe three, four seasons ago. But, you mm. know, they're, they're definitely on the way um, there. Obviously, um, you know, you've got a few people that are out, Alison and Jota. Um, but... You know, and they are big misses for you. But I mean, I think I, I sort of watched some of the game uh, last night. Yeah. Um, and, you know, okay, maybe it's not uh, the opponents weren't the same Premier League level, but they're still a good team. And I just think it showed that you don't necessarily need those players. You now have other players that, you know, you can switch in, which are just as good. Um, and I think um, Keller played played well in goal. Yeah. No, I think yeah, it's always, it's always tough with Keller. I think he, he got more game time a couple seasons ago, and obviously tough to displace Allison. I think he's obviously one of the top top goalkeepers in the world. So it's yeah. like it feels kind of harsh to like. Well, I'm pretty sure Allison would have said that, but <laughs> it's because Allison's you know up there, right? So to, to hold him to that standard is obviously a tough one for him. But you mentioned Jota. I think yeah, luckily there's something. Uh, more attacking options are available. Actually, uh, it was last night. Actually, where I actually just reminded myself that um, the Robertson actually has has been gone for for weeks. Yeah. I think it's the, the the extent to which I think Simakas, the Greek uh, international, has done a, a good job there. Um, yeah, not necessarily missed him too much uh, just yet. But um, yeah, it's almost weird forgetting that he wasn't uh, he wasn't there as well. But yeah, hear your points there on sort of like the the approach. 
Fulham will think about taking here need to be considered. And as you mentioned, the, the games where you want to be picking up points, where you think that, that those are going to be the more pivotal ones. There's a home game, obviously, against Nottingham Forest uh, following this match. There's a, there's a home game against West Ham as well. Um, Everton in the, in the Cup in a few weeks' time. Burnley, Bournemouth. I mean, there's, there's quite a few games prior to Christmas, and actually just around Christmas where you think there's, there's points up for grabs there that could really, as we were talking about, see Fulham distance themselves from uh, sort of that that pack in the middle of the in the middle of the league. So um, yeah, just just want to ask you what your expectations would be for for the season then. I think, as, as I said, you know, we, we've definitely um, reassessed. So, you know, prior, you would hope we would push on. We know that's not going to happen. Um, I think the fact that Marco has just signed a contract extension, yeah. I think he wouldn't have done that if he wasn't promised money. Provides so some think, stability, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And, I mean, I think if you'd have asked any um, Fulham supporter what would be the the better signing, a centre forward or Marco, I think we'd all gone Marco because he's, you know, absolutely changed the the club, the atmosphere around the club um, and the way that we play. So that's been really important. And I don't think he would have signed unless he, he hadn't been promised money um, to buy players. So we're hopeful that in the January window um, that, you know, we can maybe get somebody in to replace Mitro um, and you know who knows push on. I think realistically, tenth that would that again mm-hmm. for me would be a fantastic achievement. I'm yeah. thinking maybe twelfth, thirteenth, um, and I'd sort of be happy for that. So it's it's far enough that we're out of the relegation. We're not in a relegation battle, but it just does give us that opportunity based on the first half of the season to just sort of consolidate. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. As, as you say, that that word consolidation of the position, I think it's yeah, can't be can't be uh, sort of uh, overestimate just how important that is. I think uh, just for the stability, for the investment, for like the, the consistency. I think that the fact that Silver signed on, as you say, it, it seems like it's a really positive positive sign as well. Before we wrap up, Sarah, I, I did want to ask you, obviously, um, having you from Fulham Lilies on the pod, um, just to actually explain a little bit more about sort of what Fulham Lilies have been working on this season um, in, in terms of the different initiatives that you've been you, you've been leading and supporting. Because um, I think there was, yeah, there was some real interesting topics we covered prior to hitting record that yeah, I'd love the listeners to be aware of. Because I think they're, they're issues that don't just affect, obviously, Fulham fans. I think they're um, across the entirety of the of the sport. Yeah, so the Fulham Lilies was founded in July of 2022. And the, the aim of the Lilies is to encourage more female participation at football matches. So whether that's attending the men's game as a supporter or attending women's uh, football or even playing football as a, as a girl or, or a woman. So it was just really to encourage more female participation in football. So we've run a number of different initiatives. We hold meetups before most home games. Um, there's a little cafe in Bishop's Park, which is right next to the ground. Um, so we meet there and then lots of other females come along and just sort of chat football, pop in, say hi, and then we all walk to the ground together. So we offer that security so that people can walk to the ground together. Um, One of our ex-players, Joe Bryan, who now plays for Millwall, he very kindly donated £3,000 
to the lilies before he left. And with that money, we have bought some season tickets for Fulham, for Craven Cottage. And so we contact local charities, female-based charities. So sort of we've contacted Ukrainian refugees, domestic violence, um, care, where girls, young girls are in care. And we offer these tickets to them so that they get the opportunity to come and watch um, a football match, a Premier League football match. And the Fulham women's team, which is a, a fifth tier team, so quite a quite a low sort of team, um, they played at Craven Cottage against Arsenal Academy during the international break. And we purchased tickets for 16 adults and 32 children, which we donated to a local primary school. And they brought them, the kids along to their very first match, um, football match. And uh, they watched the uh, the Fulham women beat the Arsenal Academy, and uh, it was it was a fantastic day out for for all of the kids and all of the adults as well. So those are the initiatives, and there's a lot small things that we're working on as well. I think it's incredibly worthwhile, obviously, endeavours. I think it's really important to obviously push women's football, and, and I think actually just very blatantly investment in women's in women's football in general, uh, which. Still, still remain to be convinced, but I think there have been some positive commitments over the past past few months following the success of us here, the um, the England women's team as well. But um, I think, yeah, certainly some of the initiatives around like more support for women attending um, matches as well, um, and more sort of I think actual understanding of sort of like women who are, who are, for example, just uh, you know, breastfeeding or want to breastfeed at matches. I think is a real uh, important area to be addressed as well. I think that's some. Um, something that you would have imagined had been considered by now, but the fact that it's still um, you know, across the league, I think actually a pretty, not, not contentious, but an issue that's not been um, you know, addressed, I think is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, a lot of grounds won't even allow under twos into the stadium. Hmm. For those that do, they charge them, they charge them a ticket, which is the same as an ad for junior. So, you know, just to take a a baby in arms can cost up to 50, 60 pounds um, at some Premier League stadiums. Um, Wembley as well don't allow under twos. So it's, and, you know, we spoke before and, and I know a lot of people will be listening going, why on earth would you want to take a, a baby? But it's, you know, for, for women who have gone to football, they've gone with their dads, they've gone with their brothers, they've gone for 10, 15, 20 years, they then have a baby and suddenly football says you can't come anymore. It, it just, you know, to us, it's like, why? It's it's not the baby's fault. You know, we need to look at the stadia. We need to look at what can be done to allow these people to still um, support their teams. Absolutely. I think, yeah, just a, just a more earnest discussion about what solutions do exist, I think, is is what we're asking for, right? I think um, yeah. Yeah, sort of appreciate the difficulties, but yeah, there needs, needs to be a more meaningful actual discussion around it because at the moment I think he's just saying there's just this there's just this absence of one but um Sarah yeah I want to really thank you for coming on and like sharing all your your insight into the sort of the journey Fulham have been on I suppose under Marco Silva certainly over the past few seasons um and adapting to the, to the disruption of pre-season which you know did did come out of nowhere for a lot, for a lot of clubs to to deal with so I think it's um yeah it's uh, Impressive to see how Fulham have responded. I think, as you say, investment may be key in January to really kicking on, but 
think there's there's positive signs of a you know a, a sustainable sort of future here for the club. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Harry. Really appreciate it. Um, and just to wrap this up for all the listeners who've obviously been enjoying uh, yeah these rival recon pods throughout the season. It is a busy season. Uh, you will no doubt see from whatever network you watch your sports on festive season usually means we've crammed as many fixtures as possible uh into the next few weeks and that's the case so there'll be more pods coming thick and fast there'll be another rival recon ahead of the game away to sheffield united on the 6th of december so do join us for that then we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.